On this week's episode of the WNP Podcast, is Will Levis QB1? Stay tuned. Episode 163 of the We're Not Professionals podcast. My name is Mike Mitchelson, and with me, as always, my co-host, Chase Crawshaw. Chase, how are you? I'm doing swell. Thank you for asking. How are you, Michael? Oh, man, it feels so good to hear that music. And to be honest, I think I did the intro wrong because it's been so long. It's been two months. Happy New Year. We haven't seen you in a while, but... Uh, we are back and ready to go because it is draft time. Yeah, it's been a busy, you know, few for us, but now we're, you know, we, we got the time, we're ready to roll, and it's going to be a ton of fun these next, um, you know, two months or so. It's going to be a lot of fun, and you guys can put the blame on me. Put the blame on me. Um, as with all work, uh, it's been tough to get two episodes going, and during the NFL season, We like to put out episodes on Thursdays or Fridays, but it was very difficult to get a Bolts broadcast episode and an NFL episode or WNP episode, I should say, recorded on the same day when, you know, I'm not getting home until 5.30-ish after work. It takes a bunch of time to edit and get everything uploaded. So it was just a, a big struggle. And now that the NFL season is over, we no longer have to worry about the games that take place on Sunday, the Monday night games, and we can start releasing episodes on Monday. So the plan going forward for the offseason is that we will be recording on Sundays, and then depending how long it takes me to get the episodes out, we should expect episodes every Monday or Tuesday for the foreseeable future. Chase does have our schedule. He's going to run it down for us in just a second, but most of it going to be draft content. There's going to be a free agent episode coming up as soon uh, as well, I should say. But we're only eight or nine weeks, I think, from the NFL draft, so it's going to be a busy week. I hope you're ready, or, or busy couple of weeks, I should say. Hope you're ready. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, dude, it's super exciting. I know. I'm looking forward to these next two months I mentioned, looking forward to our eventual mock draft episode. It's going to be a ton of fun. And then the draft itself, and then fancy rookie draft shortly after that. Uh, would you like me to run over the, or run over, geez, run through the schedule now? Please. All right, beautiful. So we are recording. These are all recording dates, so expect it to be a day or two after the recording date that the show is released. So February 19th, we are recording our QB rankings. February 25th, or 26th, excuse me, we're recording our running back rankings. March 5th, we're doing our wide receiver tight ends. March 12th, our offensive line. March 19th, we're going to do our free agency episode. March 26th, we'll go back to D-line, or back to film, I should say, do D-line. April 2nd, we will do edges, slash pass rushers, pass rushers. Jeez, I, I'm in one right now. I, I keep feeling this just gas in like my stomach, and I'm trying really hard not to burp. <laughs> I'm just I'm just battling. This is right weird. Now. This is weird. We're already talking about gas on the show. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a mess, dude. Um, but so April second, our edge pass rusher show. April 9th, we have our linebackers. April sixteenth, we have our defensive backs. 
And then April 23rd, we will have our mock draft. So sprinkled in there, we'll also talk about any breaking news that goes on. You know, that first free agency show is like about four or five days after free agency opens. So we'll highlight um, some more moves that happen as, um, you know, opening new sections down the road, like in terms of bigger signings or whatever it might be. But it's going to be fun. Um, you know, we, we're going to be able to fit everything in perfectly in our time, our timeline. I'm super excited. Yeah, I this draft class is so fun already. And uh, it, it took me a while. Chase has had his grading system in place for a little bit now, but the past couple of years I have gone very note heavy, haven't actually put in a grading scale for my rankings. So this year I actually did create a grading scale and it's difficult. I, I don't like creating grading scales, but right now it's in and it worked well for the quarterbacks. It's working well so far for the running backs. So I'm curious to see how it goes as I continue on through the draft class. But so far it's been a lot of fun. This quarterback class is way more legit than last year's was. I mean, we were talking about maybe the upside of Malik Willis could land him in the first round. Kenny Pickett's just boom of a year, a Joe Burrow-like year. That could put him into the first round. Sure enough, it did. But all the other quarterbacks, man, they were falling. It was not a good class. This year, you've got some legitimate talent. Yeah, and I wouldn't be like I wouldn't be too surprised or shocked if we saw five quarterbacks in the first round. I, I expect it to be four, but there's a potential that, you know, we, we could see five and it, it's just exciting again. I, I love seeing quarterbacks go high because quarterbacks are such faces of the franchise cornerstone pieces. So they're always going to have the spotlight on them and it, it'll be good for these guys to go to unique spots. I expect one, maybe even two of them to go to spot to develop for a year or two. But regardless, uh, I, I'm super excited because it, it is at least a quality quarterback class. Man, that's got me got me excited for the show. You saying that there could potentially be five quarterbacks in the first round. Excited to hear who you have that could be those potential five. But before we get into our quarterback rankings, I did want to give a quick shout out to the Georgia Bulldogs as I think our last episode was covering the college football playoffs. Sure enough, we went on a little hiatus and uh, well, now everyone knows what happens. It's been two months. We're not actually going to cover the game, but quick shout out to them. Also, TCU, a, a hell of a fight. They took down Michigan in the first round, which I know Chase is probably still a little salty about, but that's okay. I, I enjoyed it. And then uh, they they didn't fare too well against Georgia. No, they, they, they did not at all, dude. That was just a waste of a day. Are you kidding me? Mm, yeah. I, I couldn't believe how bad that game was. Yeah, well, I, I guess that kind of shows you that even though TCU can go toe-to-toe with Michigan, going up against the SEC reigning Georgia Bulldogs is, is a whole different beast in itself. But speaking of champions, we also want to talk about the Chiefs as they win the Super Bowl over the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, my personal opinion, they shouldn't have even been in the Super Bowl, but they did, and they got help out in the Super Bowl as well to take it 38-35. to 35. This isn't salty. Talk about salty. Hey, th- no, 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 no. It's not, it's not salty. It's just realistic. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sure it is. <laughs> what did you think about well, the Super Bowl overall, Chase? It was a good game. It was entertaining. It was one of the more entertaining ones in a while because um, we, we saw – in the past, some pretty disappointing Super Bowls in recent history. Um, the Rams-Bengals one was good overall, but wasn't like you know 
awesome because I had to sit there and watch you all depressed as the Bengals were losing, so it made it a little less exciting. Um, but it, it was still still a good game, and this one was one of the more entertaining Super Bowls probably in history. It's definitely up there. Um, it, it may, maybe it's the most entertaining one that I've ever watched. It was really good back and forth, even though Patrick Mahomes wasn't able to be at full capacity, wasn't able to pass for over 200 yards. He still quarterbacked his team to a win. They, you know, they got help around them by the refs and stuff, sure, but it wasn't like it was just – holy hell, we're throwing everything the Chiefs' way. It was just, you know, a call that maybe should, should have probably went uncalled at the end of the game is all it was. And what all that did was rob us of an opportunity to see the Eagles make a last-minute drive. Odds are they weren't going to score on it because like, odds are you're not going to score on that type of drive. But it would have been possible. It would have made it a little more exciting. So the Chiefs, you know, they, they fought hard. They deserved the win all said and done. Um, I know people were complaining about the field, and it was bad, but it's also not a good reason to say, oh, that's why the Eagles lost because the Chiefs also played on that same field. Did you start watching the Super Bowl only like three years ago? Uh, no, I've been watching it for for quite some time. If you look, it's like it, I'm not the only one saying that. It's, it's talked about quite a bit as one of the best Super Bowls like in, in the history of it. See, I think the Eagles Patriots game with the old Philly special is better than this one. I think that the Falcons Patriots with that all time comeback has it better than this one, and maybe it's just because of the ending how it left a sour taste in a lot of people's mouths. I, I see a lot of people talking about it as well, saying it was a fantastic game up until the moment when the hold was called. And uh, I know what everyone's going to say. Oh, James Bradbury said that he did hold. And yes, that's true. But at the same time, for the first 58 minutes of the game, that was happening nonstop on both sides. And it was never called. And in the most important time of the game it does get called so yes it is a flag yes it deserves to be a flag but when it's not being called you just gotta call it as consistent as you can and the refs we know they have not been consistent and probably in ever because there's always something that someone can complain about when it comes to the refereeing but overall it was a solid game I think both teams are absolutely fantastic they're going to continue to be top of the league for the next couple of years. It's going to be exciting. Jalen Hurts, I know a lot of people are giving him a ton of praise, which he did play well, but I wouldn't say he necessarily played well as a quarterback. He was more so super dynamic on the ground. Yeah, and like he got three touchdowns. He looked really strong um, overall in that aspect. He like He still, you know, improved a lot as a passer, in my opinion, and he he still threw the ball well, but I saw people saying, oh, he's you know a top two quarterback in the league. I had the audacity to have multiple people tell me that Jalen Hurts is the best quarterback in the league just in general. I'm like, well, like what are you talking about? Like, like what, stop. Like, what, why are you saying these things? It's just not even close to the truth. Yeah, he's a fun to watch, and he's become you know a pretty good football player who happens to play quarterback over these last couple seasons. But to say he's like a Mahomes-leveled, Burrow-level type guy, I, I can't get there, man. All right, let me get your reaction from a list I saw yesterday. I'm only going to go through the top five, okay? Okay. Number one, Patty Mahomes. Yeah, does that work? Is that good? Yeah, fair. Number two, Lamar Jackson. Um, um, Number three, Joe Burrow. Number four, Jalen Hurts. Number five, Josh Allen. So I'll let, I'll, um, let you do, I'll let you do with that as you will. Um, that's all I can say is um. 
Yeah, you know, there's some interesting takes out there. Uh, we know Lamar Jackson was injured, and he didn't really get to show his true ability this past year, but I don't think anyone coming into the season had him as a top-five quarterback. So now people are saying he is a top-five quarterback. I don't, I don't really see that. I get if he like, oh, he threw for 50 passing touchdowns, six interceptions as well, getting 5,000 yards and having a thousand on the ground you know something like that sure great but i i can't get there just based on on everything else yeah so anyways let's not talk about the coaching carousel the coaching i'm from canada apparently the coaching carousel uh we've got five brand new head coaches the colts the cardinals the broncos help me out the panthers and there's one more the texans yeah the texans uh the texans are their fourth coach and in three weeks, it's just it's incredible how often they go through coaches. Yeah, it's not been great. Um, I would personally think that the Raiders would be on here too, but we've talked about their situation before. They don't really have the money to go get a new coach, so they're keeping with Josh McDaniels, and uh, that means shipping out Derek Carr. Uh, I guess we can talk about that too. Derek Carr, now a free agent. What do you think about that? What do you think about the situation between him and Vegas as well as where a potential landing spot could be? I I just I, – I don't really see why he was cut. I mean, hold on one second. You, you can see he had a frog in his throat there, so he's just yeah, getting I, it out. I, that, that was tough. I had to mute my mic and just absolutely clear it. But anyway – I don't understand why I move on from him. I don't understand why they treat him the way he did. Because, as Brad Holmes said, it's way easier to get worse at quarterback in this league than it is to get better. So, moving from a guy who's a quality NFL quarterback without any sort of you know like replacement plan, you know at least like the Packers have Jordan Love if if Aaron Rodgers moves on, you got Jared Sidham there. He's not the dude. So. Without any sort of you know backup plan, it, it's really not a strong move. But now Derek Carr can go somewhere where he's wanted. Um, hopefully, somewhere where he can have success because I'm still going to root for Derek Carr. Yeah, I'm not sure where uh, he could go. I don't the big rumors the Jets, but anytime there's a quarterback available, people are talking about the Jets and how they could be connected. But thinking about it overall, I mean, it's kind of hard to find that perfect fit. I mean, Vegas could be a perfect fit, but oh well, you know how that works. Um, you could, you could think Washington yeah, or the Colts, but they've been going through their own QB carousels and none of them have worked so far. Ron Rivera's committed to Sam Howell, he says. So I, I don't really know where the best spot would be for Derek Carr. Yeah. I, I, the Jets seem like a solid option. Maybe the Saints work out. I don't know. Like what, one of the, one of those places I think, but I do like that. Um, the commanders are going to give Sam Howell a shot because I think, I think he does deserve it. I agree. Um, it's, I mean, I, I guess it is good because I was going to say, uh, if he doesn't work out, then it's just a wasted year, which sure. But at the same time, you'll likely have a top two pick and having a top two pick in next year's QB class is even better than having a top two pick in this year's. Oh, absolutely it is. Well, Chase, we were on the coaching carousel. Let's get back to that. Our new head coaches, we've got Jonathan Gannon with the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, I don't know if you watched that video of him. Uh, I think he was meeting Rondell Moore. It was interesting, to say the least. I sent it in the Twitter group chat. I don't know. Were you able to see that? No, I must have missed it. When did you send it? I think just last night. 
he walked yeah, up. I was too busy last night to see it. He walked up to Rondell Moore and basically shook his hand and said, like, what's up? We're going to you know do some great stuff or whatever. And then I don't know what happened. He started using his hands as, like, spaceships or something. Oh, you know what? I did see that this morning. <laughs> like, what, what I was forgot, that? I, I forgot that was what that was for. <laughs> that was so weird. I don't understand what he was trying to accomplish there. So, and you saw Rondell Moore's face. He's just like, what the hell is happening? Yeah, right he had no idea what to do. So there's always interesting hires. I mean, you look back, Dan Campbell was an interesting hire, biting kneecaps, etc. Um, I know Mike McDaniel, a little bit of an interesting hire as well with some of his um, quirky interviews. But Jonathan Gannon, definitely the little bit of a weirder hire when it comes to his actual personality out of this group. Then he got Frank Reich, the former Colts head coach, going to the Carolina Panthers. Sean Payton going to the Broncos, D'Amico Ryans heading over to the Texans, and finally the defensive coordinator for the Eagles, Shane Steichen going to the Indianapolis Colts. Chase, if you had to choose a ride or die out of this class, this group of five, you're going to put your money on this guy to have some success. We can judge it, I don't know, three years down the line. Who do you think is that guy? I... I'm really excited for D'Amico Ryan, see what he can do with the Texans because he was, you know, a great, awesome player for them. It's a Jeff Saturday type of thing, but he was actually like a coach and had a lot of success as a coach. So I'm really excited for D'Amico Ryan. They've got some great draft capital coming in. Some young guys that I do already like established there, even though the team was a bit horrible last few years. I think it's a good hire and the type guy that can kind of help push the needle moving forward. So I'm really excited to see what happens with the Texans. Yeah, I'm excited to see D'Amico Ryans as well, but I'm having a hard time really putting my finger on one of these coaches right now. I think the two Eagles coaches are interesting, but I'm not really sure of their upside, their their high-level promise that they could bring to the Colts and the Cardinals respectively. D'Amico Ryans takes over probably the worst job in the NFL right now with the Houston Texans. Yes. Uh, Sean Payton, I, I know a lot of people are pretty hyped about him, but if you look at his career record, uh, he sits about the same uh, record and coaching level as um, who's the coach down in Dallas right now? Mike McCarthy? Yeah. Yeah. So not not necessarily a prolific head coach. And also the Broncos, they've got a lot of craziness happening, and I'm not sure what we see out of Russell Wilson, et cetera. Uh, you saw the story where Sean Payton uh, heard that Russell Wilson had his own like coaches and trainers and stuff in the building, and Sean Payton's like, yeah, no, that's not going to happen. Yeah, because I don't understand why that could happen in the first place. If you're not a staff member or a player, like, like why the hell should you be allowed to just freely roam and, and like mingle amongst like the player's staff that way? It, it makes no sense. So like, good for Sean Payton for saying hell no because – Russell Wilson thinks he's untouchable. He thinks he's God. He thinks that he can do no wrong. He thinks he deserves whatever he wants. Like, everything that he does really starts to bug me. I, I'm not a Russell Wilson fan at all anymore. So I, I'm happy that Sean Payton's put his foot down. I really am. Uh, the Nathaniel Hackett uh, consequences there where players can just bring in whatever, you know. Yeah, dude, he he's just a nightmare. And then finally, Frank Reich with the Carolina Panthers. Hey, I like Frank Reich. Everyone knows I do have a soft spot as well for the Carolina Panthers, so I'm hoping for success here. But with no quarterback put in place, I can't really put my money on him either. 
So I guess if I have to choose one, I'm going to have to agree with you. I'm going to go D'Amico Ryans. I think upside-wise of the first-year head coaches, his is the highest, as well as there's just so much draft capital that the Texans have. They brought in some good pieces last year, so uh, I'm excited to see what he can do. But sleeper, I would go with Frank Reich. Yeah, that, that's uh, that's fair. I, I I can get behind that one. All right, Chase. Well, now is the time to hop into our 2023 NFL Draft QB discussion. Um, I think we'll stick with our top eight like we did last year. Does that work for you? Yeah, that's perfect for me. So we'll rock eight quarterbacks here, and basically how we'll do it is we'll give you our eight, talk about where we could see them potentially going. You know, are they a first-round quarterback? Are they undrafted? Etc. Talk about the class strength overall as well. So, um, Chase, I guess before we hop into our rankings, what is your overall impression of the class? Like, do you see it as top heavy and it falls off hard? Do you see it as you know there there's depth throughout the whole class? You could see fifteen guys eventually being drafted. What are your overall thoughts on the class as a whole? So I've got 10 quarterbacks with draft grades that I'd be willing to take a chance on Four in the first round. One guy I would consider in the first round, um, but probably would avoid. So I, I think overall it's, it's a nice draft class up top. You got some really exciting options and then filling off the depth. You got some older guys who I think are going to be more career backup type players, but like very sturdy career backups, you know, kind of like, like what Chase Daniels getting paid to do just, just be a, a very sturdy career backup. I think there's a couple guys that can fall within that range. And then lower end guys in the draft are a little more upside. Maybe they can kind of become something, but are are more long shots. Yeah, I I think pretty similarly to you, I've got some top level guys. I've got a couple that I think could be starters, but at the same time could be like very high level backups. And then mine actually drops off a bit. I've got... um, I've got guys in the first two days. I've got a couple of guys in the first two days. And then the, what do I have? Five or six guys after the first two days drop off quite a bit. They're sitting, you know, fifth, sixth, seventh round guys. Um, and those are long shots with potential ceilings. And then uh, also guys that I just don't think could ever become a starter ever. So we'll see how it goes. Yeah. Yeah, you know, that's fair. Um, of my rankings, I have faith in six guys that could be, like, really potential starters. Um, I think that there's two more lower on my list that have a chance to be, like, you know, what early career Jared Goff was. Just, like, you know, solid. Jared Goff's been a lot better this last season, so I view a little more highly of him and maybe slight bias. I don't know. But you know, early career Jared Goff, where he certainly is not bad, but he's not, like, taking it over the top. Um, I think there's a couple guys that, if they become – starters that are lower in the draft like it'd be a long shot but that's like all they would be all right chase well we know the nfl has a qb problem right now so let's hop into our top eight quarterbacks for the 2023 nfl draft class all right how are we going to rip or we want to just go yeah uh, you, top eight for each of us yeah go ahead all right number one i have bryce young out of alabama number two C.J. Stroud out of Ohio State. Number three, Will Levis out of Kentucky. Number four, Anthony Richardson out of Florida. Number five, Hendon Hooker out of Tennessee. Number six, Tanner McKee out of Stanford. Number seven, Jaron Hall out of BYU. And number eight, Max Duggan out of TCU. All right, we got the same names. A little bit of a different list here. All right, 
tied for first. Unbelievable, right? CJ yeah. Stroud and Bryce Young, uh, they compute at the same grade for me. And we'll get into that as we talk about these players. But CJ Stroud, Bryce Young, the top guy for me. Anthony Richardson, my number three. Will Levis, number four. Max Duggan out of TCU is my five. Hendon Hooker, six. Jaron Hall, seven. And Tanner McKee out of Stanford rounds out my list at number eight. So we can hop into Bryce Young first, unless you have something to say about my order like immediately, but we can we can start with Bryce Young regardless. What a Tanner McKee hater. I, we'll talk about it. That's all I'm saying. We'll talk about it. Yeah, we will. We will. All right, hop into Bryce Young. Uh, he had your highest grade. He has my highest grade technically. Him and CJ Stroud have it tied. So what do you like about Bryce Young? Where do you see him potentially going? I mean, the only thing you don't like about Bryce Young is his size because it's hard to see many quarterbacks in the last you know couple of decades of the NFL at that size that have worked out. But there's always exceptions to the rule, and I think Bryce Young has the talent to be that exception. I you know arm strength is definitely above average. One, I think he would have above average in the NFL. But when it comes to accuracy, uh, his mobile ability, his pocket presence, you know his football IQ, understanding of the game, his college production, all of that, it's. It's you know about as good as you can get for a prospect. He's just he he's shown that he's he's got the talent. If he was six foot three, I think he'd be like the safest <laughs> one of the safest number one picks in in NFL history, just because like that size makes that much of a difference. But it, it's he, he's just got all this talent. As long as he can prove he can see over that old line, if he can maneuver well and kind of make some more space for him, create some more time, throw well, you know, on the run out of the pocket. I think that this dude's got a legitimate chance to become one of the better quarterbacks in the league. So I agree with a lot of your individual attributes you're talking about. Um, Size is a bit of a concern, but when you look at arm strength, it's very good for his size. Mobility is great, under pressure, football IQ, all of that. Um, Very good. However, I don't know if he can be that top guy. I see C.J. Stroud being easily the safest quarterback in this draft class, I think for did I say CJ Stroud? This is as the safest, yeah. No, okay. So Bryce Young, I see as the safest. We're talking about Bryce Young first. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So Bryce Young, uh, all that I just said <laughs> is about Bryce Young. I don't know why I said CJ Stroud. If I did, whatever. But Bryce Young, I see as by far the safest quarterback in this draft class. I think if you're the Indianapolis Colts, I think Bryce Young is the perfect spot because uh, if you're going and getting Will Levis, he's going to get smoked because your offensive line had a historic regression. I think the same with C.J. Stroud. Bryce Young is going to be a guy that can come in and immediately play ball for you. So I like Bryce Young a lot. The only concerns, obviously, like I said, his size. Also, when it comes to... Uh, how good of an athlete he is. He is a good athlete, but he doesn't compare to the likes of like Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray is a much thicker guy for his size. Kyler Murray, I think a stronger arm. I think more athletic when it comes to the ground game. But I think Bryce Young has a better ability to read defenses, have a better overall football IQ than the likes of Kyler Murray. So I kind of feel like if you combined Kyler Murray and Tua you could have a similar product to Bryce Young. And I think this kid could be, you know, in that 14 to, I don't know, 10 or 14 to 8 range in quarterback. I don't necessarily see him climbing the ranks to becoming 
a top five quarterback in the league. But if you want a safe guy who is going to be a very good day in day out starter for you, I think Bryce Young's that guy. Yeah, know, maybe not top five upside, but I, I think top eight's a legitimate um, in the league. A top eight upside is definitely there. And sure, if you're talking about running past the line of scrimmage, run downfield, yeah, like I, I'm gonna give Kyler Murray that that athletic ability. But, but in terms of you know creating self space behind the line of scrimmage and just really being that imp- improvisation type of quarterback, like what we saw Russell Wilson have so much success with in the past, it's not really running past the line of scrimmage gaining yards uh, that happens. But it's more of getting out of the pocket, being able to throw off platform. I, I think Bryce Young is just phenomenal when it comes to that. And part of that is maybe because he's shorter and he has to do that so he can see a little better. But regardless, as long as he can continue to do that and avoid taking too many hits at the NFL level, it's going to work. Yeah, he's so quick behind the line of scrimmage. Like, uh, I know Kyler Murray is too. He doesn't necessarily make the right decisions, though. You might see him run, you know, 40 yards behind the line of scrimmage before actually throwing it or passing the line of scrimmage. But Bryce Young so quick back there and always keeps his eyes downfield. He's got the ability to move, but you can tell by his play style, he's always looking downfield. He's looking for the pass option before he himself starts to take off. And that's what I want from a quarterback. All right, let's now talk about CJ Stroud. He's your number two. He sits up top number one with Bryce Young for me. What do you like about C.J. Stroud? How big is the gap between Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud, in your opinion? So, as of right now, I have Bryce Young as my like guy I would take number one overall, kind of no matter what. And quarterbacks, they, they get a different grade. So, like, he's rated as my number one prospect. In terms of pure talent, you know, I might take one of these defensive players over him, just based on pure talent. But in terms of the prospect and the value he brings to the league, Bryce Young is safely my number one pick. Uh, C.J. Stroud, he is someone that is more in that, um, you know, like 9 to 15 range for me. And it's it's not anything against him. I still think he's got legitimate opportunity to be a, a very good quarterback in the NFL. You know, coming into the year, he was my number one quarterback. But he showed, you know, a lot of times where the pressure just really gets to him. And it just it really kind of bugged me, you know, watching what he did in a couple of those games this year where he only had 77 yards, watching what he did in the Michigan game at the end of the game and trying to come back and kind of raised some questions because, you know, some guys, when they play hero ball, they can make it work. Like, look at Matthew Stafford. When he plays hero ball, he finds a way to win. CJ Shroud, I didn't really see him doing that. He had the benefit of playing, you know, from like up most of the games and that helped him out. So as long as he goes to a team that is going to set him up to have success, it's not going to be like a Texas team where they're really starting from the bottom up. I think he can have success. So if he goes to a team where like, if they draft him, they're all right. They're, they're at least middle of the pack type team. That That's how he's going to benefit the most, but he is a, you know, a very quality thrower. He has good arm strength, you know, very nice ball placement. I do think he's got a, a strong football IQ. He's starting to understand the game better and better. But when it comes to the you know big playability, sometimes he underwhelms. I think he could have a little bit better pocket presence too. But he does have upside to grow. I, I really think he does, and the college production definitely helps his case. Uh, you you really do see guys playing in these Power Five conferences when they have the production he does. They usually go on to have at least some measure of success in the NFL. I agree. I think a solid spot for him could be the Carolina Panthers. They've been building up that offensive line. We know their defense is very talented. And the wide receivers, well, we know DJ Moore has been there. He hasn't really seen the production recently, but it's hard to do that when you have Sam Darnold and Baker Mayfield as your quarterbacks. They got rid of CMC, but we know running back, not as important as some of those other positions. So I think that one could be a fit right there. 
I think CJ Stroud overall, when I look at him uh, and compare him with the likes of Bryce Young and some of the other top guys here, um, CJ Stroud has a much safer floor, in my opinion, than the likes of Anthony Richardson, Will Levis, the guys with huge ceilings. But I think CJ Stroud also has a higher ceiling than Bryce Young, just because some of the things that you can't really teach, you can't really get better when you look at size, when you look at arm strength. Yes, you can get better uh, when it comes to arm strength, but it doesn't come as natural. You know, maybe you can increase it by, you know, three, four, five yards, but when you have a very, very talented arm, uh, it's harder to improve that compared to if coaches will really take the time to work with C.J. Stroud when it comes to just overall being under pressure, football IQ, um, the stuff that really needs to elevate to that next level. If teams take the time to do that for him, I think he could be exceptional. I think he could be a top five level of quarterback. And the one thing that I can agree with you, but also one thing that is kind of polarizing with C.J. Stroud is you turn on some of his tape and you're like, what the hell was that? Why, like, there's question marks on his ability to play when he's under pressure. Then you turn on the next game, and he's fantastic under pressure. And then you look at his accuracy one game, and it's fantastic. You turn on the next game, and he's missing everyone. And it's, what is happening right now? And the thing is, with C.J. Stroud, why I like him so much is because all of his question marks that he has about him he has at least one game of film where he checks off that box, says, no, no, I, I can perform in this situation. So, for example, he was under duress against Michigan, nonstop, was not very good. Then you see what he does while he's under duress in, I believe it was the Chick-fil-A Bowl against the Georgia Bulldogs. He was fantastic under pressure. So there's, there's marks where C.J. Stroud is just inconsistent, and I just need a good coaching staff that will put all your time and effort into him, and I think he could be fantastic. I, I have him as a pretty similar upside to Bryce Young, actually. So, yeah, so I think top eight, the quarterback, is, like, possible, which always means you could split, slip your way into, like, you know, number one. It, it means it's there, but realistically, he's probably in that six to eight range. I think it's the same as Bryce Young, and I just like where Bryce Young starts off as a ready-to-go NFL quarterback than cj stroud mm -hmm. and it's not that cj stroud's gonna be bad his rookie year i think he's in the right you know as long as he goes where he can get some help and some protection like it'll, it'll be good he could be someone who's up for offensive rookie of the year without a doubt but it, it kind of potentially you know i i think upside is jared goff with mobility which right now some people say jared goff is like that 10th ranked quarterback in the league i've seen that so that mobility would help propel stroud up to that top eight and i think that is fair but also sometimes I get a little bit of Carson Wentz vibes and it's more Carson Wentz before injury where like he did have the mobility. He can create some plays. He was having an MVP type season. I think CJ Stroud has that in him, but that Carson Wentz still made mistakes and still had some kind of crucial game killing plays. I think we're going to get that out of CJ Stroud as well. This is what I want. So Bryce Young starting day one, easily just guaranteed what I would like to see out of CJ Stroud and whoever takes him and again, I go back to the Panthers. I think it would be a really good situation for him. He goes to the Panthers. He sits behind Sam Darnold for four weeks, maybe six weeks, and really learns the system. Really, they take their time to uh, let this guy improve in practice, let him 
learn the plays, all of that, and just be ready to come out firing. I don't think he's going to be a guy that should sit all year his first year, but I think two to four to maybe even six games to really understand the NFL system would be extremely beneficial to C.J. Stroud. I think if he gets day one playing time, he won't be the worst quarterback we've ever seen, but I think if you give him a little extra time, he'll be much better off for it. He's only going to a place where he's playing day one. I would be really shocked. It's always possible, but I'd be really shocked if he goes to a team that's drafting him to sit behind someone. Like If he goes to Carolina, like you mentioned, I can't imagine him sitting behind Sam Darnold for a couple of games because what the hell is that going to teach him? Yeah, and, and you don't really know what's going to happen because there's a lot of talk that Will Levis could be that guy right after Bryce Young. There's even been talk that maybe the Colts trade up to that number one overall pick with the Bears. They go Will Levis over Bryce Young. Bryce Young still falls number two to the Houston Texans. So speaking of Will Levis, we'll get onto him now. He's your number three. He's my number four. If that potential scenario happened where the Colts trade up and they take Will Levis over Bryce Young, we know Bryce Young's your number one, but how hard do the Colts fumble if that situation takes place? I mean, it'd be a terrible mistake because of where I have Bryce Young ranked. I think he's just that dude. And I think that, you know, Will Levis is more of the kind of like. Don't say it. What? What do you want me to not say? I know. I know so many people are saying, oh, Will Levis is this year's Josh Allen. No, no, I'm not going there because like I can understand in terms of rawness, but it's not that level. He's he's more of the type of guy that, you know, if, if he's your third quarterback off um, and maybe he can like it's, it's like Cedar out. If he can maybe sit for a couple games, I think that helps. But. Like if you want to call him a very, 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 very Dollar Tree version of Josh Allen, I guess that's fine. But like everything, every trade is Dollar Tree Josh Allen. At, like at minimum, maybe, maybe even like picking off, picking up coins off the street, Josh Allen. That, that that's kind of where he sits. I think he's more NFL ready than some people think he is. I don't think he's gonna have like a, you know, just light the world on fire type of rookie season. But I think he's more ready than a lot of people say he is. And the upside is there. You seen some of the plays he makes similar to CJ Stroud. Like he makes some really incredible plays, but then he makes some boneheaded moves. So it all really comes down to going to a system that can mitigate his risk, finding a coach that can develop a quarterback. Well, and I, I could see him having success at the NFL level. I, I could see him being a little more boom than a couple of guys, but at the same time, he is a bit older. So the room to grow is, you know, it, there's only so much there. So it, it's not like Joe Burrow where he came in older, but he was just like already that type of guy. It's, it's more of like, he's still got a little bit of work to get there. And I think he can be an NFL starter for quite a few years, but as high, like how high will he get? I really don't know. So with you grading him, where would you like rank it? Would you say he's a top 15 pick lock? Would you say he's maybe closer to a fringe first, second rounder? What do you think? It's about mid first round in terms of value. Um, and I, I think because they're quarterbacks teams that they have you know the need like for these top four guys especially like I, if you're taking them in the top 10 even if they don't deserve it i i can understand so i have more as, as a middle first round type guy and it, if, if it's just you know not not valuing the quarterback position pure talent aside and upside like yeah he's he's definitely got nfl upside where he's worthy of you know spending a pick on him that lets him have the fifth year option but there's there's definitely better options if you don't need a quarterback. You know, there's plenty of better defensive players, better offensive players. 
But if you need a quarterback, there's at least two, maybe even three guys that I would still take over him despite this ranking. Okay, last question uh, about your ranking is, did you factor in him putting mayonnaise into his coffee? No, but I really should have. If, if I did, it would have made him a UDFA. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That is that is it's something nasty. So I mean, one, coffee's nasty. Two, yes. why are you putting mayonnaise in your coffee? That is, oh, my goodness. How does it even start? Like, whoever tried that? I don't know. He was eating a, a mayonnaise sandwich, apparently, and something just leaked into his coffee, and he's like, oh, this is pretty good. Maybe, dude. I don't know. So, Will Levis is my number four quarterback. Uh, He's got the size. Um, I'll say, for me, he grades closer to a fringe first-round, second-round type of guy in that, you know, 20 to 30 range. Um, For me, uh, exceptional arm strength. Mobility is not as bad as I expected when I started coming into it. He's actually pretty solid. Um, The one thing, and also reading defenses, not too bad either. The one thing that really killed me about him is he might be the most oblivious quarterback in this class when it comes to his pocket awareness. The amount of times he just got smoked because he has his blue blockers on and can't see 15 degrees to his right. It it happens so many times in my film watching, so that really annoyed me about him. Also, something really weird I noticed about him, when it comes to his accuracy, generally... It's solid. It's not up to CJ Stroud, up to Bryce Young, in my opinion. However, when he threw to the left, it was bad. Like he had, he was so inconsistent throwing to the left side of the field. I thought it was really weird. It's something that stood out to me. I had to bring it up. Um, so I think Will Levis has high upside, but I think if he went to a situation like the Colts, where they have a struggling offensive line. They don't necessarily have the weapons that a new quarterback, a young quarterback would want to see when it comes to their wide receivers and tight ends. I feel like this could be a big bust pick. But overall, I think Will Levis could be one of those guys that right situation, right time, he's going to play well and could become you know, a, a top 12 to top 16 quarterback, big arm, going to make some mistakes. That's what you're going to see from him. Yeah, he's going to be worth starting for at least a few years. He could end up being the type of guy where, like, yeah, he's good enough to start, but, you know, our, our team had a down year, and we see this really enticing quarterback. You know, we see if he goes to the Colts, maybe they really like Arch Manning, and, he, you know, Levis had a down year, the team had a down year, and they have the opportunity to take him. I think he's that type of replaceable player as well, where he could go somewhere else, you know, have a, have a couple opportunities on a couple of different teams. I don't think he's really a career one organization type of guy. Yeah, I know living down here in Indianapolis, I've got some friends down here that are big Colts guys, and one of them told me, take Will Levis this year, take Marvin Harrison Jr. next year, and then when Will Levis doesn't work out, take Arch Manning. So, What a what a horrible look. When he doesn't work out. <laughs> right. <laughs> if he doesn't work out is what you should say, dude. That's, that's, a, that's horrible. Because, I mean, Arch Manning, Marvin Harrison Jr., what a legacy that would be. To It'd bring be fun. both to the Colts. That'd be cool. It really would. All right, let's not talk about Anthony Richardson. Uh, I believe he's your number four. He is my number three. What do you think about this young guy? First round pick still for me. Um, just in terms of kind of talent right now, where, where I have him, it's more of a later first round pick, but 
it's the highest upside player I have in this draft class. So I can understand him going as high as possible. I, other than first overall, like I, I, I can't still can't fathom taking him over Bryce Young. But if you really believe in him over C.J. Trotter, Will Levis, like go for it. I would probably take him over Will Levis in a draft because of the upside. But if you're a team that's more ready, then go Will Levis. If you have the opportunity to take Anthony Richardson and kind of let him do his thing, develop for a year, potentially two years. I think really a year might be enough. Then, you know, you've, you've really got something there potentially. The athletic ability is just impressive. He has arm strength. Um, you know, not like he's not Josh Allen of arm strength, but he can move the ball. Um, he obviously maneuvers well. I think he's got a pretty good pocket presence. Um, had a good year this year. I think that there's enough there trait wise where it's worth the investment. It's it's like when Josh Allen was drafted. It's worth that investment. It's worth the chance. Um, if he works out, whoever drafts him, like it's going to be a huge value. But if it doesn't work out, then it's going to look at, at like a pretty big flop. And I really don't think there's any in between. Yeah, Anthony Richardson is the guy I'd be looking at when it comes to dynasty players, depending you know where he gets drafted to, because he could be that dynasty QB one eventually. This guy is yep. so incredibly fun. The very first thing I wrote about him, incredibly fun, all caps, exclamation point, because he is. He's got a big arm, incredible mobility, um, but he also has the the chances of his eyes are getting too big and he makes some incredibly dumb play. There's a lot of overthrows as well. His accuracy hasn't really been there quite yet. Um, and then under pressure, He's either going to make one of the most jaw-dropping plays ever because, wow, what a pass, what a, what a way to get away from that defensive end, or he's just going to chuck it up and it's going to get intercepted for six points. Like, I mean, you, you talked about it. Ceiling is incredible high, incredibly high, but the floor is really low. This is a guy who's going to be really fun. I think depending on situation, he could be one of those top five guys. I'm taking him over Will Levis, and he, again, is in that same range for me. Uh, late first-round pick around the 20 to 30 range, but uh, just the amount of fun I had watching this kid is making me want to root so hard for him, maybe even harder than the rest of the guys in the class. Yeah, I can I can definitely get behind that. and It's really important to mention here, if he had even like Bryce Young level mobility, I don't know if he's a day two pick, honestly, because the rest of the things there, I just don't know how much I believe in. Um, like he, it's because he's such a strong runner that if he is like a sixty-three completion percentage type guy, but he can rush for nine hundred yards and eight touchdowns every year, like that, that's huge. That, that that significantly helps your team. Like he, that make him way better than Daniel Jones, and Daniel Jones is looked at as a borderline franchise quarterback right now. So I, I really think that this mobility just matters so much and he really has to show that that's his like big asset in the NFL. Yeah. I mean, I believe in his arm strength too. He, he can really sling the ball. Now the accuracy needs to get better. Um, also we're talking about pocket awareness being a big thing for Will Levis, at least for me. Uh, I think he's got better pocket awareness than Will Levis because he actually sees the rusher. Now what he does with it while he's under pressure, uh, a little bit different, but when it comes to actually being able to see the people, he's got that down. And I do want to mention, that's fair, but I do want to mention for arm strength, 
I think his ability to get the ball downfield is, yeah, I don't have a problem. But I just, when I'm watching it, I just, I don't see the zip that I see with a couple other guys. Like that, that's my problem. Like really? when it comes to, yeah, I, I just, I, I could have watched a couple. You know, I watched two games of film. Maybe they were not his strongest games. I can't remember who they were against. I didn't know, write it down in my notes. But maybe they weren't his best games. But like it, it was, you know, it was average. It was, it was an average zip. It wasn't like something that was super high end it was you know in line with with a lot of you know the other guys in this class but i've seen better zip and I, i've seen ability to get the ball downfield which is great but i i just wish that he got the ball a little bit quicker on the short to medium routes well i'm excited to see what you say about tanner mckee then because uh i'm thinking we might have different opinions on on him but we'll go next to your number five or yeah your number five my number six that being hendon hooker uh the oldest quarterback well not necessarily because Stetson Bennett's around, but uh, one of the oldest quarterbacks in this draft class out of Tennessee um, surely would have been a Heisman finalist if he didn't get injured. Him and Tennessee were really rolling there until that injury took him out. Yeah, and here's kind of where I'm thinking Headed Hooker becomes a, a, like a, a pretty you know solid day two pick that has upside to be a starter. It's, it's great measurables. I, I love the the size and he's got a good weight and strength kind of kind of mix where he will hold up taking sacks he's not going to get worn down too much you know the injury hurts i i he's a he's a good mobile quarterback with um without the injury like he, he can he can create some space he can make some plays downfield um but we'll have to see kind of how when he comes back to the injury like from the injury what that changes if it's any worse then it's gonna kind of hurt his value a little bit but we're not really gonna know un, until um the summer which which is a shame but I, I think his arm strength and accuracy are just kind of fine. Um, it, I, I think that there's a little room for improvement despite his age. I, I think it can get to a good enough spot where you're, you know, you're, you'd be above, you know, if you bring back the Andy Dalton scale, you'd be just above Andy Dalton, which just makes you good enough to be a starter for at least a little bit until you maybe find someone better. Um, I, I think he's got a, a relatively solid football IQ. The college production's there. It's all just like a good mix. Nothing necessarily a great mix. Um, his best asset for me was his mobility kind of, and his ability to kind of create some space. And again, we're not going to know until the summer. So it's really predicated on that. But if I'm a team that has the opportunity to let him sit behind like an older quarterback, like if I'm Minnesota Vikings, Kirk cousins, if I can let him sit behind him for, for a year or so, then I think that's a great fit to take him in a day two spot. I agree with you. And I've got him uh, a late round two, early round three type of guy, day two guy as well. And I think that he is kind of solid everywhere. I mean, nothing really stands out to me. I think the one thing that I kind of giggled about is when you see him get out of the pocket and really start to run, he's kind of got a goofy run style in my opinion. Um, so that was kind hey, of, yeah. I'm, I'm cutting you off. Do you remember Josh Allen running at the combine? I don't. Oh, you need to look that up because it is just yeah, it is the definition of goofy. So <laughs> okay. it, it it's just because you're goofy looking running, it doesn't mean it can't work. Right, Hendon Hooker was able to make it work, and um, I really don't love doing comparisons because I never seem to be very good at them. But I felt like this one kind of stood out a little bit too much for me, and that's kind of Teddy Bridgewater before his big injury. He has that yeah. mobility. It's not exceptional mobility, but he gets it done. And then also, I think he's just kind of a smarter player. He doesn't really have the insane uh, arm strength, insane athleticism, but 
he gets it done because he's a smart player, and when he needs to leave the pocket, he's got the ability to do so. Yeah, I, I'm. I, we're pretty much in the same boat here, which is which is nice because this is really the first time we've like fully been in the same boat on, on a player. Um, we we talked about our forward. I, obviously, we have similar opinions, but like, I don't think we really disagree on anything here, which is which is rare, honestly. <laughs> sure is. Well, let's uh let's flip that up real quick because yep. we're gonna go to my number five, your number eight. That being Max Duggan out of TCU. Now, I will say before we really get into this. I'm not as high as my cousin, not high like as in smoking drugs. I'm not as high on Max Duggan as my cousin is Landon, who's been on the show many times. Uh, He thinks Max Duggan is the next Justin Herbert. I tend to disagree. I have a very similar grade to Hendon Hooker. Uh, Hendon Hooker is only a couple of uh, points lower than Max Duggan. Max Duggan still another guy who's going to be that second to third round uh, talent for me. Yeah. And I, I can semi understand, I guess I've got him as an earlier day three option. Um, you know, like fourth round is probably where I'd be okay taking him. So it's funny that Landon says he's the next Justin Herbert. I think he's the next Gardner Minshew where, Oh yeah. Like Gardner Minshew is an awesome backup. He is the one backup I'd prefer to have out of anybody else in the league. Uh, other than saying like, uh, you know, Jordan Love or, or like Trey Lance when he was backing up. Obviously, those are different situations of a guy who's a true legitimate backup at this point in his career. Like Gardner Mitchell is the guy I'd want to have. And Max Duggan's going to be in that same category where if he comes in and starts, odds are he's not going to mess it up. He's not going to lift your team, but he's not really going to mess anything up. I, I think he's just very solid all around. We saw what he did on the ground, um, just fighting his ass off in, in the college football playoffs, doing everything he could to try to get his team that win. He just. Like he, he can put the team on his back in terms of mobility, but as a thrower, it's not really there, like anything exceptional. So that's why I really see Gardner Minshew because Gardner Minshew could kind of, you know, like have a little bit of escapability, get, get above, you know, pass line of scrimmage running, get out of balance, help his team move down the field when his offense wasn't really helping him out or when he didn't feel comfortable throwing. So the league's best backup is kind of where I think his ceiling is. And if he's got to go in and start, you could still feel okay with with your team. So I think Max Duggan could be a starter at the next level. Um, I didn't really think of Gardner Minshew just because when I look at Max Duggan, the first thing that sticks out to me is nothing about his play style, but actually his mentality when it comes to the game. Uh, After every game, it seems like he's just battered and bruised and bloody, and he's still getting up. He's got incredible composure within the pocket. He'll take a beating get back up and continue to throw through those hits. Um, so I actually saw him, uh, which I, I don't hate the comparison whatsoever. I think it's pretty solid, but I had it as a bigger and more athletic Baker Mayfield because uh, he does have that ability to get out of the pocket. Now he's not an athlete, but he is much more athletic than Baker Mayfield, in my opinion. I know a lot of people thought Baker Mayfield um, had that ability in college, and then it didn't really translate that well in the NFL. I think Max Duggins will be able to translate better, uh, and obviously he's bigger, standing at 6'2", 210. I don't think the arm is great. I don't think the accuracy is great, but the mentality is there to want to be the best, want to you know, go out there and die for your team. And then when you just compare the Baker Mayfield and Max Duggan mentality, they're both, they both have that same, you know, dog, 
But I think Baker Mayfield's comes from cockiness where Max Duggan comes from. I just want to go out there and, you know, die with my boys. So uh, I, I kind of have a, a soft spot for Max Duggan in that respect. I really think Max Duggan, outside of Bryce Young, and I guess C.D. Stroud too, has the best chance of having a long NFL career. And again, it's not going to be as a starter, I don't think. I think it's a guy that you'll see play games more often than any other backup will. But I, I think he's just so trustworthy. He's very respectable. He wants to win. He'll do whatever it takes to win. So that's the guy you want to have. And he has enough traits where, yeah, like we'll throw him in when we need to. I mean, I, I, I take him over like a Colt McCoy and he keeps getting employed as a backup. You know, I, I, I think it's not even close. I'd take Max Duggan here. So he, he's going to have a long NFL career as long as, you know, nothing unfortunately happens turns injury. Hopefully not. But he, he's just, he's just kind of, he's just kind of the ultimate backup for me, I guess. And I guess the the last thing I'll say about Max Duggan is I talked about his, you know, extreme composure within the pocket. Um, when looking at the list of quarterbacks I have here, when it comes to their grades for, you know, performing under pressure, he is number two, only behind Bryce Young in my grading scale. Uh, I thought he was fantastic when he's under pressure, but no one beats Bryce yep. Young. I mean, Bryce Young is unreal. 100%. All right, who'd you have first, Jaron Hall or Tanner McKee? I had Tanner McKee first. You had Tanner McKee at six? Yep. Okay, Tanner McKee at six. I had Tanner McKee at eight. Let's talk about the Stanford Giant. Yeah, I, I like Tanner McKee, and, and, you know, it's maybe because I was also a Carson Strong guy. Um, yeah, I, I like I, st- I still like the, these taller guys that are very strong in the pocket. I still think there's a room a room for them in the NFL um, again, maybe more like a Nick Foles where he steps in and he kind of carry your team for a little bits of the time, but maybe he's not a full-time starter. I don't know. I'm still kind of like the jury's still out for me in, in that aspect. I really don't know how to feel, but I do like overall his traits. I, I love the size. As I mentioned, I think he's got great arm strength. He can really push the ball downfield. He's got zip to it. The accuracy is one of the more underwhelming ones in this class for me. Um, I, I think it's more of like that part of his game is more Josh Allen-esque where we saw Josh Allen's accuracy be kind of terrible for really, for lack of a better term. And then he started getting better and better each year. Had a really strong breakout year where it actually wasn't an issue at all. I think Tanner McKee can do a similar type of thing. Um, and then when it comes in terms of like mobility, it's I, I think he's better than the average stand-up, you know, pocket presence quarterback or, you know, pocket passer, but nothing exceptional by any means. I think he's just, you know, like a solid quarterback who's got some upside, just got to get a little more comfortable in the pocket and be a little bit better on his deep balls. I like the Nick Foles comparison there um, because he is skinny for his 6'6 frame. I mean, 230 doesn't sound skinny, but when I watch him play, he looks um, similar to a Nick Foles where he doesn't really have the extra beef to kind of just get smoked nonstop. Like Josh Allen, he's a little bit stockier and he's also huge. Whereas Nick Foles, Tanner yeah. McKee, I think a little bit skinnier for their size. Um, I agree. He's got good arm strength. But to me, very similar to how you said about Anthony Richardson, I felt like he kind of lacked the mid-range and long-range zip that I wanted to see. They were very lofty. Obviously, up close he had it. Uh, there was a couple of times where he blew it past his uh, wide receiver's hands because he threw it so hard. But when it came to mid-range, I don't know if it's – just how he was taught. He seemed to kind of just be lofting everything into there. 
versus the zip that I wanted to see. Um, and obviously we didn't watch the same exact film, so maybe it was just the games that we chose. But uh, for me, when I was thinking about him overall, good arm. I think the football IQ is solid. I think pocket presence is solid. But his mobility, he's not Peyton Manning. He's not Tom Brady. But if he does need to get out, he can do it. However, I see him as kind of like a baby giraffe. It's super awkward. It's not very fast. He's going to get caught. He's going to get hit. And then when it comes to actually being under pressure, if a team's bringing a blitz, anytime I saw him dealing with a blitz, he didn't stand in and throw. He just kind of braced himself for the hit and got taken down. It was like he was a statue in the backfield when it came to being under pressure. So, uh, I, I think that a Nick Foles backup situation could be solid for Tanner McKee, but I do not see him having the upside of a starter. So I mentioned that there's four guys that had four sure taking the first round and a guy that I could see sneaking into the first round as well. And Tanner McKee is that guy, not necessarily because I would take him there. I have him as a late day two type pick, someone that I think has upside, but um, I, I wouldn't want to invest strong capital in him. But I could see an NFL team falling in love with him, thinking that somebody else might as well and wanting to get ahead of him um, before anybody else does. He's still young enough where the fifth-year option could be uh, beneficial. I, I could see a team, you know, like the Bucs. Tom Brady's gone. Maybe they feel they're still comfortable to compete and all they need is, is a quarterback. I, I think Tanner McKee could go in and potentially have a solid rookie season. But I also think that his rookie season might be the height of his career. Like, I think he might just do that his whole career. He might throw for you know, 4,000 yards and, and 28 passing touchdowns. That might be his whole career, which like it's fine if you got a good enough team, but it, it's still not a super high upside guy. So I wouldn't take him in the first round, but I do see a path where a team might. I personally think 4,028 touchdowns a season would be like fantastic for Tanner McKee. I don't think he could ever hit that in my opinion. And I feel like if he goes in the first round, we'd be looking at a Paxton Lynch situation. I, I don't see him having the upside of a true starter. I think that teams might want to try to develop that, but in this day and age where mobility is so key, I think the arm strength, the accuracy, the ability to read the defense doesn't outweigh the lack of being able to handle the pressure when a blitz is coming, the lack of creativity behind the line of scrimmage. Yeah, you know, it, like fair enough, but I, I still think like I, I, I still think Nick Foles like is a really just good comparison for me in terms of playing style mm-hmm. and upside. Where like if you like Nick Foles had that seven t- passing touchdown game, he you know, he brought a team to or not brought a team, but he helped him win a Super Bowl. Like if he's needed and called upon, I think he can do it potentially. All right, let's talk about Jaron Hall. He is, I think, both of our number seven. He is my number seven. Yeah, he's out of BYU. Uh, a little bit older, um, but he he has he has a little bit on tape. He has a little bit. Yeah, and I, he yeah definitely older. Twenty four years old. He might be twenty five by the time the draft comes around. But we've also seen um, you know these BYU quarterbacks be kind of generally a bit older, except for Zach Wilson. Um, I I like overall what what is there in terms of you know some of the traits like the mobility he's he's got some mobility um a little bit smaller but when it comes to his actual like throwing i, I know I, I think i i think arm strength's fine accuracy is underwhelming 
under pressure, I don't love. I think he's got like all right pocket presence where he can he can notice someone coming in on him. Um, I don't think it's an unbelievable football IQ. You know, the, the really what he has is a a good athletic um, you know profile, not not like dominant, but good enough where he can get some you know escape a little bit, and maybe it works out well enough where if he's called upon he can do something but I just don't have like a ton of faith in it yeah and Jaron Hall he when it came to my grading he was only a couple of points off of being actually a day two pick um, but he is a day three pick for me and I agree with what you're saying like nothing was super impressive from him but also I think most of the things he uh, was able to show was above average when you look at this quarterback class as a whole. I felt like, uh, you know, arm strength and accuracy, not great, but better than half of the other guys that we see in this class. Um, and I think when it just comes down to it, we've seen guys like Dak Prescott have success. We've seen guys like Russell Wilson have success. If there's going to be a guy that follows a similar path in this draft class where he gets drafted, you know, third, fourth, maybe fifth round, finds his way onto a good team and is athletic and has a decent enough arm to make some contributions. I think it's going to be Jaron Hall. So as long as he can find a situation with a really strong quarterback coach, yeah, maybe there's a chance. Something that's really going to get worked out of his game is he throws off platform too much. He needs to be able to just plant his foot and throw the ball where like you see him kind of rolling back on his back foot and making a little bit more kind of like drastic type of throws. And if he can work that out of his game, I think it will go a long way, but he's also been doing that for like 24 years of his life. Maybe he can't work it out. Yeah. And I should say that with me bringing up the, you know, if there's anyone in this draft class that could take a similar route to Russell Wilson, Dak Prescott, that's not me saying, I think that's where his ceiling is at. I don't think his ceiling is, you know, a, a top 16 quarterback in the league. Uh, I think that he's a very replaceable quarterback if he is a starter, but I tend to think he's more of a backup. So um, although I think that there's potential, a team could see him as that Dak Prescott, Russell Wilson type for the value that he's going to go as. I don't think he gets to that level. Yeah, I agree. All right, those are our top eight quarterbacks. Before we end this, I did quickly want to talk about Stetson Bennett because, uh, as you know, I've got some family members in my family that are Georgia fans. They're going to— I would assume family members are in your family. They're they're going to want to hear (laughs) about their Georgia Bulldog, Stetson Bennett. What do I think? What do you think? Um, Here's here's a potential scenario. So Stetson Bennett I have as my number 10 quarterback. Um, he's old. He doesn't have the size. His arm is mediocre. Everything is kind of mediocre when it comes to what he could do at the next level. I said, what can you, this is my notes section. What can you really say about the mailman himself against all odds? He found a way not sure it can happen again. However, I am rooting for him. Here's a scenario I want to put in mind. I want to put out there in the atmosphere. We know about the Ravens. We know that Lamar Jackson doesn't currently have a contract for next year. We're not really sure what's going to happen in that situation. We would assume the Ravens do everything they can to bring back Lamar Jackson. But let's say that is not on the table. 
let's say option two of going out and getting a Trey Lance isn't on the table anymore. What was Stetson Bennett so good at utilizing with Georgia? The running backs and the tight ends. Georgia's offensive coordinator, Todd Munkin, just got hired as the offensive coordinator of the Baltimore Ravens. I think there could be in a you know different universe where options one and options two don't work out. I think there could be a possibility that Stetson Bennett could be a fifth, sixth round pick to the Baltimore Ravens, and he could at least keep them competitive. I've seen some people saying that he could be a third round pick, and I would laugh so hard on draft day if that happens. I really want it to happen to whatever sucker is wanting to take him, except for the Lions. I would actually cry. But any other sucker that wants to take him <laughs> in third round, please, please do. Like that, like that would make my day. Waste, waste your draft pick because he's not good. If he had the Eagles' offensive line and had Mark Andrews and he had Christian McCaffrey, maybe he'd be okay. Maybe, maybe he's not good. He he's just not. He benefited so hard from a really good Georgia team, a really strong coaching staff. Um, just everything else around him was so good that all he had to do was be solid to look like a stud, and that that's exactly what happened. I've got zero faith in him. I've got at least 12 quarterbacks above him. I would not spend a draft pick on him. Seems like you're a hater. A little Stetsy hater. I, I kind of am. <laughs> um, I kind of am. I, I'd, I just, I'd rather invest in the, the, especially when you're getting to that late in the draft, you know, I, I just, I'm going to take the guys that have like more athletic ability. He can move, but I want like legitimate athletes like Bleak Cunningham or DTR. I don't think either are great, but I'd rather take a chance on them. What do you think about that Raven situation that I brought up? Options A, options B don't work out. You take him in the sixth round. He gets Todd Munkin. He gets Mark Andrews and uh, I'm forgetting his name right now, the tight end out of Coastal Carolina. Isaiah Likely, baby. Isaiah Likely. He gets J.K. Dobbins. They likely address running back yet again in the offseason because, you know, they every year have five and four of them get injured. But, uh, I mean, Stetson Bennett knows how to utilize the tight ends and the running backs. It's a solid offensive line there in Baltimore as well. You have the same offensive coordinator. You think he can at least stabilize that team if they were to lose a Lamar Jackson? If they lose Lamar and they can't go trade for quarterback, whoever is running the draft should be fired for not taking a quarterback earlier in that draft. Because if your replacement, oh, Stetson Betts is our replacement. Stetson Betts is our replacement in the fifth, sixth round. You're a joke. Go At that point, go grab Anthony Richardson. Go trade it for him. Go take Max Duggan even. Go take Ken. A hooker, like go take any of those guys. If you're waiting and taking such a Bennett, like well, that's that's embarrassing. Chase, it's a yes or no question. Stop trying to avoid it. No, let's let's say that they're trying to get the deal done with Lamar Jackson during the draft. They're confident it's going in the right direction. The day after the draft, they still took you know Stetson Bennett in the sixth round just in case. The day after the whole draft pans out, everything gets pulled out under the rug. I. I don't see him having any success. Well, if he does go to the Ravens and that exact situation pans out, I also hope he doesn't have any success because they're in the Bengals division. But <laughs> I thought it I thought it was an interesting an interesting idea. So that's why I wanted to bring it up. All right, yeah, Chase. Sorry, pal. I, I I don't I don't well mostly sorry to your father. I don't think it's happening. We're running on an hour and 11 minutes for this show. Uh, did you have any last words on the QB draft class as a whole? I think that if, if you're QB needy, this is a good year to do it. Last year was not the year if you were QB needy. So I'm happy teams didn't fall for the bait last year, even though there were some intriguing guys. 
So this is a year to do it, and don't just keep saying, oh, next year's class is going to be better, because right now next year's class does look better, but you know we could very well see someone stay back in school or drop off. So don't be hesitant to take one of these top quarterbacks. If you feel great about Hendon Hooker, if you feel great about Tanner McKee, if you feel great about Max Duggan, like teams should go out and just grab them. Don't don't play around. I think there's enough talent here where you could find I, – I, I don't think it's that far, you know, far-fetched where there's six guys that can potentially become starters here. I agree with you. I think uh, once we hit day three of the NFL draft, though, I'm staying away. Either address it early or don't address it at all because I don't see any potential starters going in in day three. Well, frame of reference, I have Max Duggan as like a fourth round pick and Jaron Hall as a guy who's like fifth round or so. So those guys I'd still take chances on. All right, that's going to do it for the show. I want to thank you so much for coming out and giving it a listen. Oh, boy, I got to do the outro this time, Chase. You don't do it anymore. I know. I'm so happy about that. <laughs> uh, if you want to stay up to date with all that we do, you can follow us on Twitter at WNP Sports Pod. That's again on Twitter at WNP Sports Pod. Check out our other show at Bolts Broadcast. We cover the NHL and the Tampa Bay Lightning over there. Uh, if you are on YouTube, if you could please give us a like, comment, subscribe, we would really appreciate it. Hit the bell to turn on notifications. And all of our other socials will also be in the description of the YouTube and the uh, podcast platform that you might be listening on. Speaking of the podcast platform you might be listening on, if you could please give us a five-star rating and a follow, we would really appreciate that. want to thank you so much for coming out. And as always, we're not professionals. Professionals.